0: This is the Outstanding Advisor Podcast, the show that features outstanding financial advisors. Advisors with an interesting story to tell. Here's the host of the Outstanding Advisors Podcast, David Macchia.
1: Hello and welcome to the Outstanding Advisor Podcast. This is David Macchia, and thanks for joining for what is our very first Outstanding Advisor Podcast. And of course, this is the podcast that's devoted to featuring advisors who are outstanding and have an interesting story to tell. I want to introduce our first guest. Let me tell you about Michelle Gordon. I'm so thrilled to have her here today. She is the founder and CEO of Investably, a Maryland-based independent registered investment advisory firm that's focused on helping women, families, and entrepreneurs build wealth and transition into retirement so that they can enjoy their lives. She is a Stevie Award winner. That's a very prestigious award with over 15 years of financial experience inside industry-leading asset management firms. And Michelle is a proud, proud alum of New York University. Michelle shares my passion for helping women strengthen their retirement security. She's recently joined me to collaborate on our Women in Income program, and I'm very happy that she has, and I'm very proud of
0: that program.
1: So Michelle, welcome to our first podcast.
0: Thank you, David. Uh, It's such an honor to be here with you.
1: I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. And I'm going to ask you a first question, which sort of goes back to the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And I mean the real beginning. Where were you born?
0: I was born in a beautiful island in the Caribbean called Dominican Republic.
1: Fantastic. And at some point, obviously, you came to the United States. How old were you?
0: I was just a baby, uh, just under two years old. So. I've uh, really just spent most of my time in New York, grew up in New York City, uh, such a wonderful place to be.
1: So coming to the United States as as a, an infant, growing up in New York City, what was childhood like?
0: Uh, it was, If I think like most New Yorkers would, would say, it's, it's full of... Uh, diversity it's full of challenges it's full of life um, and for me in particular uh, watching my parents navigate um, you know making it in the US it was very eye-opening um, you know we didn't have a lot but there was a lot of heart there's a lot of hard work there was a lot of love And for me, very much cemented what's important in life, you know, um, so working hard and just sort of uh, mentality of resilience and tenacity and that, um, anyone can make it, um, especially in this country. Um, and that's something I'm very proud of and I, and and I don't take for granted.
1: Something we should never lose track of that opportunity. And so many people who've seized upon it like yourself. Mm -hmm. So tell me about your parents.
0: Yeah, um, my parents—they are—they're just life, um, hardest working people I've ever known, um, and the education was always uh, a top priority in our house. And my mom was very strict, <laughs> so I—you'd I, be surprised to know—I, for someone who grew up in New York, I was very sheltered. Um, I think, like most first generation um, kids, would understand. And no, my my parents, I'll tell you about my mom in particular, for example, she's someone who we didn't come with a lot. She didn't even speak the language. And to make something of herself, she saw real estate as a way to do that. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was really as young as seven. I remember her trying to teach herself the exam and memorizing and teaching herself in spanish what the words meant and how it's applied so she can pass this exam that's in english when she barely speaks the language so well, she did so she she, passed pa- she, she took the
1: exam without having understanding of english per se
0: She basically taught herself a way to get through it and basically taught herself in Spanish what everything meant and almost like sight word, like, Mm -hmm. okay, this word means this. And in her mind, she understood what it meant. But for me, very early on, it was a great lesson of there is no challenge big enough if you dedicate and you work hard and you think strategically and intelligently on how to make it happen and so she's someone who has this eternal optimism mm-hmm. and then my dad my dad is uh, he's one of these people that everyone loves and uh, i'll tell you a funny story we were traveling somewhere uh, i think we were in pennsylvania someone who hadn't seen him in 20 years spots him and it's like their best friends and he just he just has a sort of um that that social charisma, and uh, they're both, it's just all hard. They're all hard. And the best way I can describe them is they would take food out of their m- mouth and give it to someone else um, if there's someone who needs it more. And that very much just sort of um, represents, honestly, their whole life and their interaction with everyone. And that's something I take very much to heart. Um, something my grandmother always says, and it's it's my moral compass it's um and i'll say it in spanish i'll translate it's as being no means do good don't look at who at who and it's just sort of that ingrained in you that you're always in the position to do something more for people Mm -hmm. so for me i took that and i mean it's my moral compass but i i got very much fascinated with um wealth creation and and Um, you know, investing and all of that actually because of my mom. Um, Because, you know, she was a realtor and I remember traveling with her in the back of the car and going to appointments. I remember meeting a client of hers. Um, Most of the people she worked with were first-time home buyers, And I remember Mm -hmm. the joy that they had and what that experience meant for them. But then I remember meeting this one client. He was an investor and he, you know, buys different properties. And that opened up, my world my and it's like what is that what is he doing and i remember telling my mom i want to be on that side of things i want i want to be an investor but my world view was limited that's all i knew uh until i got to college and learned about all these other ways of investing but my for me it was always about i wanted to be able to give back to my parents and give them a better life and then um eventually have my own family and have my kids set up and then grandkids and all of that and i think it's just the same human sentiment we all have which is we all want to have stability we all want to have comfort and we all want to provide for our loved ones and it's something that i relate to very well and it's something that it gives me great joy to to Mm -hmm. be able to work with people and provide
1: what a wonderful story (laughs) you know um good values Solid foundation propels people, for sure. Mm -hmm. So tell me about college. What did you major in?
0: Okay. So uh, college, I went to uh, New York University and um, actually double majored. Um, And I had double majored in sociology, which is um, the best way I can explain. It's to study about thinking outside the box, right? And Mm -hmm. understanding um, how the world works um very interdisciplinary. Um then I also studied Latin American studies, another inter interdisciplinary, so you gotta understand politics, economics, art, culture, I mean how everything yeah. really comes together is intertwined. Um but I was actually studying now to to go to law school um and I changed had a change of heart because around the time I had started college um was the um tech bubble. Mm-hmm. And I I very much just got immersed in understanding everything to do with that. And I remember at 19 years old, I was already opening up my retirement accounts and started investing. And I was already thinking, okay, how am I gonna get to retirement? Um, But as I mentioned before, my worldview of investing was only limited to real estate. When I got to college, it very much expanded because I started meeting some of my classmates that they were the beneficiaries of, of trust funds that their families had set up, and, and generations mm-hmm. worth of wealth building. And I just got hooked. I just got hooked. And then from there on, that was that was my passion. Um, so I was started teaching on my own um, and, until I graduated NYU, and then uh, try to get into Wall Street.
1: Fantastic. And yeah. so your first job took you where?
0: Yeah. So my first job, so right after 9-11, um, anyone, anyone who rem- remembers, not a great time to graduate, graduate <sighs> in. Um, but I was fortunate. I, I went with uh, Claritas Nielsen. So I was working in, mostly in the financial services division, um, mm-hmm. but I really understood the marketing side of things and how um, different companies service different client segments. So that was very fascinating. Is that
1: the Nielsen and Nielsen ratings that we're familiar with same company?
0: Exactly. Yeah. So Claritas was a a subdivision of Nielsen. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing was um, I'm working, so I'm supporting, you know, these, your large, largest financial institutions. and the the vice president walks by my desk and he sees um he sees a stock ticker going through my computer he's like what is that i'm like oh i'm just you know i'm following the markets and then that's what it hit me i'm like okay like this is good it's a good job um i've met amazing people some of them are still lifelong friends um but this isn't exactly what i want it's it's a it's further away from where I want to be. And then from there, I went and, and got a job on Wall Street. I was on 44 Wall Street um, with a commodity shop. Uh, we were in currency and commodities, which was great because in around that time, um, I think my third year in, was the 2008 crash. You know, So if anyone that remembers the, the, the housing bubble and then the crash that came right after, um, I was down on Wall Street at the, at the heart of that, so I don't take for granted, um, you know, 150 150 year old firms that we that we would consider to be established and you know to be gone the very next day. Um, I witnessed that. I, yeah, I young was, advisors would find
1: that. that young advisors, some of them would find that hard to understand if they came into yeah. the business after that period of time
0: yeah so the 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 value of being prudent and um, taking off risk whenever possible it, it is yeah. something I take very seriously mm-hmm. um because in, and I think you you have a great story as well just doing the the tech doing the tech bubble
1: mm-hmm.
0: um you know that, that I'm sure you can share um like many other experiences but um I think most people um you only think about when it's going up and you you don't think about when it comes down. And you may not be sufficiently prepared for that.
1: Well, you mentioned that story and I think I'll just talk about it for a moment because there's a lesson there that I think is very valuable. Mm-hmm. In 1999, I was invited to meet a lady in, in, the, in Brooklyn. Excuse me, or was it, the, it, was, it was in Brooklyn, yeah. And um, an annuity agent from New York City asked me to, to come in, and chat with her. Said he had, she had a lot of money and in stocks. And she, he thought probably would be prudent for her to reposition some of that into a safe vehicle, like a a fixed annuity. Mm -hmm. So I recall going into that house, a very modest house, modest neighborhood, modest looking lady. And she handed me a piece of gray paper and on it were five companies and a dollar value next to each one. And the companies were companies like world, global crossing and WorldCom, and corning and, uh, companies like that, there were five and the bottom line number threw me, did not expect $424,780,000. And then she told me that her son, a medical doctor, had left the practice of medicine in order to become a day trader. And over the past year, he was making fantastic amounts of money. She was very proud of that, much more money than he would have ever made as a physician. And um, I tried really hard that day to try to inject some rationality into her thinking and explain to her that she was not diversified. And she said to me, well, I am diversified. I have five companies. I said, no, no, no. I mean, you're not diversified. They're all the same type of companies. They're all, you know, internet companies that have enjoyed Mm -hmm. tremendous gains in recent years. When I say diversity, I mean different types of companies, different types of asset classes, some bonds, some annuities, some CDs, safety, safety. I could not persuade her. Could not Mm -hmm. persuade her. And um, in less than a year, the value of those holdings, $24.78 million, were less than $50,000 because four of the five companies went out of business. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I don't know if she held on to the the very end or not. She may have. The point is, people can get irrational when things seem like they're only Mm -hmm. going up, 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 up. And I think one of the jobs we have is financial advisors is to make people understand that there has to be kind of a, a framework of logic applied to their thinking when it comes to mm-hmm. money and try to, mm-hmm. you know, shut out the emotionalism, mm-hmm. especially retirees. And I know you would agree with that, Michelle. Oh, totally. So, well, all right. So back to your more important story. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, 2008, you're living through that. Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Mm-hmm. So
1: what happens after that?
0: yeah so i for me one of the biggest lessons was it it, it's you know so i I was more on the commodity side of things so we were doing great uh commodities currencies were doing fantastic um but again the value of diversification across assets right um so shortly after that um um moved down relocated to the dc area for personal reasons and i had a um, I was very fortunate to land with one of the biggest asset management firms in the country, uh, managing, um, it's a $52 billion firm. Um, and I ended up working with one of the very best in the industry. So um, for me, then I switched from commodities, currency side to the um, exchange trade, the fund side, more the asset management side of things. And for me, that was a camp. I spent about 11 years there, a little over 11 years. For me, that was a boot camp in in products, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you could say my path has been, you know, um, not non typical, right? Not the typical mm-hmm. of you know, no, you get out of college and no, you know, it's like you get into a shop and you're taught to sell something. I I, I don't sell anything. I've I've honestly I've spent the last 15 years really just especially in the asset management side uh working closely with um individual clients and also their advisors in solving problems Mm -hmm. and helping them figure out you know oh you're trying to do x well this is the type of product you're looking for this is how it works and i've been surprised to see um you know not every advisor has that product training like in they don't get in 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 the deep end right and understand what's under the hood for you to know okay well this is expected to perform a certain way in this type of market so without the understanding how can you properly diversify and mitigate risk um with what you have so um yeah i spent it was a great experience um i've got some lifelong friends there and i ended up managing um the client facing team and you know I got my series 24 which is uh for most people that don't know that's the general security supervisory principle um so it's simply that's what you would need to sort of supervise make sure people are doing right by right
1: your sound your sound cut out there can you hear me michelle your sound cut out maybe your battery died Okay, so live TV. This is what happens sometimes. Can you hear me, Michelle? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. So that good. You're back. Yeah. So a... <laughs> <laughs> those things happen sometimes. No worries. Okay. So that series twenty four. Mm-hmm. You know, general securities principles, supervisory license. You were supervising your mm-hmm. team of individuals Uh they were facing clients correct
0: correct and myself as well you know because it's Mm -hmm. I'm I'm hands in there so working with uh, pretty much all your top advisors it's more being a a go-to for the advisors and the clients Mm -hmm. Um, really just solving problems so it you know I had to have a very broad level of understanding on many many different things I mean we're talking about taxation and and a schedule K-1 and you'd be surprised Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't even understand certain products you know kick that off and then you get that and and don't know what that means um but for me so interesting enough while working in asset management we hit the um you know COVID and people may not remember but at the very beginning of COVID towards the end of March we had a particular week in the market where um, you know there was something with the oil market, and then you know that did you know certain things to the volatility spike, yeah. and I just remember, and I'll never forget this. Just like the same way you don't forget that lady, I'll never forget this single mom. Um, it, it's you know she ended up calling I think our firm because um, she didn't have anyone else to call. And, uh, you know, it gets passed on to me for me to talk to her. And this was a lady who, I, I think, like, honestly, like most people, you're just trying to do their very best. Uh, worked hard. She had money she'd been saving for her three kids. College fund. She's a, a kid going to college. I uh, remember that September. And with the other two not too far behind. And she explains to me... Well, I asked her, how did you learn about these certain products? She explains to me, she had someone in the online chat room had told her um, this particular product is a sure thing. And mm. so she went ahead and put all of her kids college funding in, in that. And about a year later, so now we're talking now fast forward, March, beginning of the pandemic. In a matter of two days, she's lost 90% of her kids' college fund. Uh, and mind you, they're about to go to college. Um, so as you can imagine, I think like any parent, she's on the ledge. And so I financially, there's one thing we can do. Um, so I was just trying to walk her off the ledge and, and, and really just educate and help her understand what happened. Because you can't even get your mind about, around... No. What this particular product is, and how we're worked in that specific market scenario, and I just remember getting off the phone, and and I was just thinking, uh, my heart just went out to her. I'm I'm a mom, and I can only only imagine the frustration um she's feeling, and I was I remember thinking. I got into this industry because I wanted to help people like my parents. I wanted to learn as much as I could and then go and help people that are hardworking, that really just want to do better for themselves and for their family. And I wanted to be someone that can guide them. And that precise moment, I just thought, we're doing something wrong when this woman felt her best source of information is some random person in an online chat room that knows nothing about her needs her goals her situation It's not a fiduciary um and just and at the moment as well I couldn't I didn't have someone myself that I can point someone to so had she asked me I didn't have someone and I said to myself you know what I've been Helping people for the last 15 years, but th- they can't get me directly, right? And I can't, I can't save the next person like her unless I actually step outside of corporate and go and and go in the front lines. And that's when I made the decision. You know what? This is what I had set out to do in the first place, 15, 20 something years ago. It's time. So I, from there. That well, that's, was very, a, that's a courageous decision at that point. Yeah. Very really
1: courageous, and, and really for a noble purpose. Yeah, for a noble purpose. So, so, how do you how do you begin? You know, you decide one day <laughs> I'm leaving this you know safe, sheltered world, regular mm-hmm. paycheck, mm-hmm. financial security. Mm-hmm. I know what it's about. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to an extent. Now, one day you transition to mm-hmm. risk you go on your own yeah. you become an entrepreneur you're taking on yeah. risk yeah. tell me about it
0: well i'm very strategic so <laughs> i i i plan the idea but then i i put the wheels in motion for a year um so that's where the mind comes into place. <laughs> 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 so to make sure all your ducks are in a row um but i say you know what i say that's i think it's it's all heart i mean that you may put the strategy that's you know you do it intelligently but it's the heart that drives you right because for me it's it look this isn't a job it's on a career for me it's a calling because if i can help you know just one or two or three more women like her to avoid a situation like that I would feel I've, I've made an impact. And and at the end of the day, that's, that's what I want to do. I want to make an impact. Um, I want to live a purposeful life. And I think like so many people as well, during the pandemic, you were questioning, is this, am I living the purposeful life that that I want? Is this in, in alignment with who I am and, and the legacy I want to leave behind? Um, so for me, it very much is a calling because, it's, um, I'll tell you, my mom calls me, you know, um, depending, you know, it, I feel like it's every two weeks when that the lotto is at, you know, X level. <laughs> and she's like, Michelle, you got to play. I'm like, here's my numbers. Can you just do it for me? And and I always tell her, but I would still do this. The location yeah. would change, you know. Um, you know, I, I'd be in different, like, exotic places around the world. But for me, this is a calling. So when I say it's hard, I think, and, and similar to other entrepreneurs, um, you feel like, why not? You know, why not pursue your purpose? Why not? Pers- and, you know, worst case scenario, I, I'd say for me, regret is the thing I don't want to have. So I'd rather try it and if i can make an impact great and if not i mean you can always go back to corporate but um i found in in the last two years it's been so fulfilling um Mm -hmm. and like i say my trajectory has been non-typical you know most people they go they work in in the sales role for a long time and you build a book of business you build a client base so i've very much been starting from scratch um but I, I have found so much joy already. Um, I've taken um, a couple of several people that they were hoping to retire. They thought they can retire a certain age. And I've shown them a path where they could retire. I, I think I had shaved in shave like five, seven years off. That's not everyone's case. Um, but just seeing the joy um, yeah. that 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 makes an impact for me um, and, and just helping them understand how all these different things are interconnected, right? Because I'm more of a big picture person. So I love looking at things holistically, not not just within one silo, not just investment, but let's let's look at everything. Um, how are your taxes impacted? How are your, you know, your other goals impacted? So just very much looking at everything. all.
1: Let, let me let me ask you a question. Puzzle. I'm, I bet people are wondering who are listening mm-hmm. to you. You made this transition.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No clients.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How did you find your clients?
0: One by one. It's one by one. It's been uh, reaching out to people that I think would be good clients um, and just beginning to deliver um, value and impact one by one. And LinkedIn, uh, I'd say LinkedIn has been great as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been a social media person, so um, I don't know how to navigate those things. Um, but no, it, it honestly is just connecting one by one by one and, and value, giving value. Yeah.
1: yeah. So um, I want to talk to you a little bit about women. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm steadfastly defending women's retirement security as best I can all the time. Mm -hmm. I've had three articles published about it in the last week or so, and I was touched reading a comment from Cheryl Moore last night about Mm -hmm. midnight, talking about an experience of dealing with financial people, men, Mm -hmm. that made her feel disregarded Mm -hmm. and um, slighted, I guess you'd say, and you know, that's really very prominent in the research, you know, the gender stereotyping, that men are too often guilty of and need to get their arms around and and stop doing. I don't think in 99% of the cases it's intentional. I think it's cultural and it has to change. Um, But tell me about your own experience. You know, you you have accumulated a lot of, you know, financial savvy working Mm -hmm. inside big asset management firms. Mm -hmm. Are you ever in that position in spite of all you know that you're kind of... Mis misregarded by, by males?
0: Um, yes. Um, uh, I, th- I say th- it's not just males though. Um, but yes, in, 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 in a different sense, uh, I've, I've felt it, let's say professionally. Um, and I think like many other women professionally, we've had at least, you know, one or two situations where you present, you know, um, you present a great idea, Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's completely disregarded um, until your male peer um, goes and presents that exact, <laughs> exact idea. It's like, oh, it's it's brilliant. All of a sudden, it's brilliant. <laughs> and the few women in the room were looking at each other like, really, did this just happen? Um, so I, I, I definitely would encounter things like that. I mean, at the same time, I've had some amazing male um um partners and you know coworkers that were um great supporters and, and advocates for me. Um so they are there are those. Um but I but I've seen I I've seen how the industry um I, I think like you say isn't aligning with women or isn't impacting or, or speaking to women, um, and, and I've seen it. And I, I want to change that. Um, I want to change that because because I hear you. I, I hear you. I see you. Um, it's something I've noticed, and I think the male advisors that, that I've, I've worked with, I would find them focused very, very much on performance, investment mm-hmm. performance, investment performance. Mm-hmm. And the question I would always have was, what, what, what was the goal? <laughs> What's the yeah. plan? What are we working for? And maybe it's just my own view. For me, money is not the objective. Money is just the instrument. It's it's the life. It's the life you want to have. It's the life you want to create. It's the memories. For me, I, I love traveling and I love experiences with, with my little one. Um, that's what I want to create. So it's you know, we're working for, are we putting the money to use for what we want? And I find most people want Flexibility in time, they want flexibility in space, um, you know, being able to be wherever they want to be. Um, they want just the flexibility to maybe obtain the things they want to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, and I wouldn't hear advisors having those types of conversations. So I think I, I've found, and especially because I'm more about like 70% of my clients so far have been women. That That is what they, they What they want to make sure is that the money is actually working to the specific, what's the specific thing that they want? And are we in alignment with that? Yeah, I think and, about it
1: as goals. Women exactly. have goals and they want their goals understood. Mm-hmm. And when they're not understood, there's a misalignment and it mm-hmm. usually results in the termination of the advisor. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I, I was always reminded male advisors that, then this is the good part of the story. hmm Women are delighted to work with a male, mm-hmm. assuming there's a genuine, authentic relationship and the willingness to listen and understand oh. their goals, and not yeah. try to push on them their view of what's mm-hmm. important about money.
0: Mm-hmm. Or I'd say assume that they can't comprehend, because I think I think women there's a bit of a mindset, uh, a money mindset thing, where maybe culturally we've been told for a long time, oh no, this is this is above you, this is, you know, going over your head. So I think some women, not all but some women we may have taken that, bought into that story. And Mm -hmm. I like to remind them I'm like, okay you are running a very successful business or you're running you know a, a high level executive you know role you're managing the household you're managing a marriage in many situations you're managing multiple things you're caring for your parents you're managing multiple things what makes you think you cannot comprehend this one thing you can so let's 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 talk about it and you know i'm not going to use you know big industry terms to scare you off like I'm gonna speak to you in like like a like a girlfriend in the way that you understand, um, and for everyone as well. It's just it's based, you know, and in, in a yeah, communicate in the way that people understand. And you you do you could understand it. Um, yeah. And then the second thing is, uh, yeah, and the second thing is knowing that they do make decisions. You know, so uh, assuming that the guy is the one who makes the decisions. I will tell you, most women I know are the ones making the most of the financial decisions in the household, or at least the driving force like, okay, we need to move and get a new house, or we need to get ready for the college fund, or we need to go and take this vacation, or we need, you know, I find it's the women who's the driving force. So to think that they're not an active, you know, player, um, not an active member in the decisions in the household, um, I, I think doesn't bode well.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with all of that, and I, I'm, I'm sort of optimistic that I think men, mm-hmm. over time, will get it. If they don't, there's no future for them. Yeah. You can't if you can't relate to the the person who yeah. controls the money. You can't yeah. have a relationship with the person who controls the money. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, let me let me ask you a couple of other questions here, mm-hmm. um, and these are sort of off topic. From okay. our, our basic conversation. But mm-hmm. if if I could, you know, give you a magic wand mm-hmm. and then you could wave that wand mm-hmm. and you could make any single change in the world of money. Hmm. And you could do it instantly. What okay. change would you make?
0: Uh that's a great question. Um well two things. Uh I would I would take away risk um, because that that is the the number one thing I'm, I'm looking at. Um, it's the risk of you losing money. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the purpose for diversity, that um, diversification. That's the purpose for you know different instruments that we're looking at. If if I can take away risk and so people could not lose money.
1: You're not saying avoid risky assets. You're saying doing it do it in the right way. Am I correct?
0: Oh, no, I have a magic wand, so I can do whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying all, uh, <laughs> uh, that there is, um, there's no, there's, they cannot lose money, regardless of an asset, no no matter which asset, they cannot lose money. Um, that would be a magic wand. So if they wanted to get into the S&P 500, let's say the S&P 500 Every year goes up 10%. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said the magic heaven. one, Right. I, I, I did you, say you the, the magic, magic one. Yes, But the second thing, second thing I would take away would be taxes because um, a lot of the stuff I do, I do active tax planning throughout the year. And the decisions I make are very much looking at um, taxes as well, tax implication. Um, so if we could do away with taxes, I would be very happy with that too.
1: Great answer. Yeah. Second question. Mm-hmm if you were not a financial advisor Mm -hmm. but instead could have another job or profession Mm -hmm. and it could be anything in the world astronaut great singer athlete Mm -hmm. uh, botanist whatever it would be (laughs) okay what would you be
0: okay well i would tell you what i would not be no one wants to hear me sing um but no honestly this is my calling this isn't a job this isn't a career this is a calling for me um so i would be doing exactly what i'm doing um the locations would change again i you know i'd i'd be doing this from the mediterranean in the mm-hmm. summer and the caribbean during the winter um but this is my calling what i, I i'll tell you what i would do more of is i love philanthropy i've um i love giving and i love making an impact in people so i if I had all the money in the world, honestly, I would be building domestic violence shelters. I'd be building clinics, like health clinics and mm-hmm. and schools in, in areas that don't have that, um, areas that don't have clean water. I, I would be doing that kind of humanitarian work. So that's something I would do. I, I would still be helping people financially because I, let's admit it finances are key to so many people and uh, my parents and, and uh, who've worked so hard um they're now retired and i get so much joy watching them in retirement the the happiness the peace they have um they're healthier actually as well they have time for, for their health and it just it's very fulfilling to me um to watch them enjoy their retirement and i just want to have other people have that same experience and granted i've i'm I've, i'm working with people that you know have a million two three million dollars and you'd be surprised no, no matter how much income or wealth they have they still have the same concerns someone with three million dollars has the same concern as someone with five hundred thousand dollars am i going to outlive my my out and my assets um am i going to be able to Transition from, you know, steady income to now turning this into a reliable income. Um, You know, am I going to have enough to cover for health? Am I going to have enough to leave something behind? Uh, You'd be surprised. It's it's a lot of the same questions. We just have to adjust to the amount of of money that they have to work with. But I think deep down, a lot of people want the same thing.
1: I agree with you. Yeah. Third question. Mm Mm-hmm. Think about retirement and imagine it to be the most perfect idyllic retirement anyone could ever have anywhere doing anything. What are you doing?
0: yeah, it's for me in particular um, yeah i'd I'd be in the Mediterranean in the winter um sorry in the summers. I love all things Italian, so I'd spend a lot of time in Italy. Um and you know, the other pl- places too, but you know, good part in Italy. Um, I'd have a house in Casa de Campo in Dominican Republic. Um anyone who's a golfer, teeth of the dog, uh golf courses with the very best in the Caribbean. So um I recommend that. <laughs> um, and San Diego would be my home base, but no, I look. I I'm an active person. Um, I love people. I love making an impact. And even I mean, retirement for me would be basically just scaling down, where maybe I'm working with twenty people only, but I'm still impacting people, um, and doing the philanthropy work. Um, you know, more beach days for sure for me. Um, and I love cultural activities, so museums and and things like that. But I, for me, what I've been trying to do, honestly, is live the life I want to have as much as possible now and not wait, you know, 20 years from now. Um, and and that was part of the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing, because this is, again, for me, this is a calling. So I, I don't see myself. I mean, for me, retirement is just sort of scaling down. But if someone calls me and they have you know, um, a problem or a question or something like, I'm going to help. Like that's, that's, that's what fills me up. It, helping people is what fills me up.
1: You're, you're in the right job. There's no doubt about that. Thank you. Michelle, yes. I have to tell you, okay. you are an outstanding financial advisor with a very interesting story that you've told and we appreciate it. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you, greatly. David.
0: Thank you, David. It's
1: been absolutely wonderful having you on the first podcast. I would tell any financial advisor watching, if you are an int- excuse me, an outstanding financial advisor and you have an interesting story to tell, email oadvisorpodcast at gmail.com. Tell me about your story, not just your professional story, but your personal story as well. And maybe we can get you featured on the podcast. Michelle, thanks so yes. much. You were a great guest.
0: Thank you, David. It's been an
1: honor. You have a bright future. Thank you. Take care, everyone. Thanks for joining today. We really appreciate it.
0: You've been listening to the Outstanding Advisor Podcast.